Welcome to the Reticle Up Podcast, where I, Three Gun Kenzie, will be interviewing competitive shooters, hunters, fishermen, archers, entrepreneurs, and outdoorsmen. Come learn with me as I interview people from all walks of life, in different disciplines, all across the world, from novices to professionals of all ages. No matter what, everyone has something they can teach you. So come join me on the journey. Welcome back, everyone, to the Reticle Up podcast. I'm here with Steve Cleverly. He is the co-owner of Spectre Holsters. He's a hunter. We've got more entrepreneurship we're talking about today. Um, so welcome, Steve. Thank you. Thanks, ma'am. Pleasure to be here. Excited for it. Excited. Well, I'm going to dive right into the holsters. Um, I love talking about entrepreneurship, especially in this industry, because uh, it's not easy breaking in. No. So tell me, uh, what is Spectre Holsters? Um, The glorified version of it is we are a custom thermal form. That is the bougie way of saying Kydex. Uh, (laughs) Holster manufacturer um, started out in the St. Louis, Missouri area. Um, Long story behind that, but we actually purchased uh, Spectre from John Stevenson, who was a small, small bender in the area. I was looking it out. Uh, it was it, it was one of those things that kind of fell into our laps. Uh, my former partner and I were working at GM, and I think, to be honest, I think we were on a breakdown. But long story short, uh, he was a gun nut, getting ready to start his FFL, and he just looked at me and said, hey, he said, what do you know about Kydex? And at that point in time, I knew it was plastic. I knew you heated it up. I knew you molded things around it, right? <laughs> so we ended up uh, uh, collaborating, taking John over, and, you know, started up building holsters in the what, six by eight garage. Wow. Okay. So we don't have to make the long story short. I kind of want to hear the long version a little bit. Um, <laughs> were you like an apprentice learning at first, like how to um, like bend and like, were you doing the press machine? Like there's vacuum. Like, I don't know everything about Kydex. So what did you learn? Well, you know, YouTube is a wonderful thing. Um, no, I'm being serious. Yeah. You know, about, you know, when we took this over, it was okay heat of the summer in Missouri. If you've ever been to Missouri in the summer, it's horrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, sitting in his, his garage and, you know, it was all seriously trial and error and it was all old school, you know, throw it together with home Depot presses. Uh, <laughs> you know, that. But as we grew, um, you know, that was kind of my baby and I wanted to, and I'm an OCD perfectionist when it comes to a lot of things. So, I wanted to make it my baby, make it perfect. I didn't want to be the biggest at the, at that point, but I wanted to be the best. So I took a lot of the tricks of the trade, um, and just kind of went from it with there. That's awesome. Yeah. YouTube is, uh, the way to go for education instead of spending, you know, 60,000 to a hundred thousand dollars on, on an education these days. Yes. Right. <laughs> so uh, other than, um, you know, purchasing that and, and all the machines, did you have to get any certifications or like any insurance or anything like that for the business side of things? Well, obviously we've got liability insurance. Yeah. Uh, but as far as that, what was nice at that time was, you know, we didn't have to have any certifications. Now, if I want to go for government contracts, I got to get certified in, in various things and so forth, which yeah. is down, down the pipe. But to this point, you know, we're, we're just trucking right along. I love it. I love it. So, I mean, a lot of people, you know, they're afraid to start a business and it's so cool or, or, you know, you don't have to go to college. You can do these things and, and make decent money at it. Right. I mean, you, you take me, for example, you know, back in 2000, you know, a kid with undiagnosed ADD sitting in my dad's office working for him, you know, <laughs> it, that's how I got my start in the outdoor industry. 
I started out as a sales rep covering New York and New England for PSE Archery, um, you know, and it just kind of grew straight up through there, right? So in the many moons since then, you know, I graduated from archery to, you know, full-blown three-gun. It's just, it's unreal. I, I hear you. Uh, the addiction starts and there's just a little mm-hmm. bit in the water and then it just spirals out of control. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I went from a sales rep, you know, being on the road 300 days a year to being a national sales manager for a camouflage company to moving to the Midwest to guide. I mean, it's just, it's come full circle. Can't wait. Can't wait to get into that. So um, go back to the holsters too. Uh, tell me, you know, the normal, what you make, the in the waistband, outside the waistband, maybe something that's unique about your holsters. Um, so for people that are interested. Well, we, we truly make the gamut, right? Obviously, everyday carry is huge. So inside the waistband. Uh, appendix sidecar, you know, with the spare mag carrier, you know, those have become extremely popular. Uh, we do typical outside the waistband. Um, we do dabble, obviously, in the three-gun tactical game, the big thing for us. Uh, but thanks to Nightstick Weapon Lights, we're now starting to get into more of the duty-grade holsters. Um, we do level two, you know, with the hood and so on and so forth. We do full-blown battle belts. Uh, so it's, it's, you know, going through there. Um, something that's unique with us that I'm coming to see in the industry. And this is actually something that I learned from another holster company. And that's the one thing I love about this industry is if you're not one of the the big two, everybody, you know, bands together, you know, so to speak, <laughs> but I don't use Kydex. Uh, I use a, a product called Bolteron, which if you go outside, it's the same product that your dashboard's made out of. It's the same stuff that overhead compartments are made out of. It's much more impact resistant. It takes cool. care of the temperature changes you know if you're in the cold climate of upstate new york you know in the winter time it's negative four with four foot of snow or you come down here and it's 104 you know <laughs> in the air a desert that holster is not going to lose shape right. um, that, that is the one thing that i noticed getting into it that by us heating especially specialty prints that holsters you know they turned out like garbage or they were shrinking or they were losing shape you know just literally sitting on the shelf right. something I- away from so obviously i go with the much thicker much more durable material that's cool and you can still do custom prints on that yes i can i actually have a guy um graphic infusions he's by far the best in the business it, it was funny it, it's you get approached and i'm sure you do being a shooter in, in this industry you get approached by so many people hey try my stuff well he just up and sent me like five prints and i said dude you can do this on 0.093 instead of this industry standard of, of 0.80 I said, I'll buy your product all day long. He emailed me back, says, done. So I was like, all right, sweet. So a year and a half later, I'm still with graphic confusion. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Us uh, shooters really like our custom crap. <laughs> yeah. I got to know, what's been the coolest like print or design that you've done? Um, you know Addie, don't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, her new competition rig is Pink Hex. <laughs> her boyfriend, Andre, is safety yellow hex uh, there's a range in st louis called range st louis oddly enough there's a shooter there when we moved into america's armory back in missouri um he approached us he was working at the range we went in there set up a dealership he said hey i've got competition rig that i want done it was purple unicorns <laughs> with six foot four i said dude he said who who's gonna who's gonna yell at me for it all right i'm good with you <laughs> that's awesome 
Oh, I love it. Oh man. So, okay. So you didn't come up with the name of, of the company either. You kept it. Yeah. I kept the specter portion of it. Um, but since moving down here, we're kind of migrating from specter holsters. It's kind of really generic. And well, again, I'm OCD. So Sarah talked about it and, you know, we said, okay, let's go with specter concealment products because we're not just holsters. We do mag carriers. We do cuff carriers, baton caddies, the whole nine yards. So Neat. I need a new one for a Sharpie and a spray paint can. <laughs> Sad thing is, is I could probably do it. <laughs> so now, like when you... I'm going downrange and taking off marks, you know, on the paper, I swear <laughs> I've walked a hundred yards and I'm like, damn it. and have to go back to get the Sharpie. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Um, okay. So did you always, okay. You grew up, I mean, obviously, like you said, working for your dad and stuff, did you plan on ever opening the business or working in the firearms industry at all? Well, like I said, you know, me sitting there in, in central New York, working in the construction industry, bored out of my mind, you know, using the degree I actually went for, um, <laughs> you know, it, it fell into my lap. You know, I always wanted to get into archery industry back then. Yeah. I grew up with guns. Um, you know, not, I didn't have the father that said, you know, Hey, let's go shooting. His idea of going shooting was going to the, the golf range. You know, that's, that's what, right. Exactly. So, but I did have, you know, best friend's father, you know, he kind of took me under his wing, uh, several, you know, uncles that were into, you know, the hunting and fishing, you know, so I got into that pretty heavy. So when I got in the outdoor field, you know, that was kind of my jump start. Archery was my thing back then, mm-hmm. but I always had a love for firearms. It truly was not until I moved to the Midwest because I got involved with another rep group that did some of the firearms and it was more so, okay, you know, this is kind of cool, you know, and I, I've got a lot of friends, in, you know, in the, the military field and, and we'll just leave it at that. But, uh, you know, they were, they were playing with some really cool stuff. And I said, yeah, I think it's time to just to change things up. See, I'm going the opposite direction right now. I'm not really, but like I found archery and I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> oh, oh, it's a lot of fun, you know, it, but there again, sending, sending lead down range is just, there's just something about it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. Quick question real quick. All right. So we're going to yeah. choose bow or we're going to choose gun. Ready? I'm ready. For fun? Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, you're killing me. <laughs> Probably... I still have to go with the gun. Okay. All right. All right. For, uh, how about for hunting? That would be the bow. Yeah. Yeah. I figured. Cause that's, that's like harder. It's cooler. But you also got to realize I hunt with a pistol. Yeah. Yeah. My grandpa so, does that. The, the giant one with the scope. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mine tend to hurt people's hands. Oh yeah. Okay. And then bow or gun for uh competition. Ooh. See, this is where I kind of fell in love with three gun. See, I shot IBO for years. And here's what I noticed, right? You go to an award ceremony for IBO, ASA, FIDA, anything. You will have Matthew shooters. You will have Hoyt shooters. You will have Bowtech shooters literally fighting because you knock so-and-so's arrow out of the X. Oh. They hate each other. The clicks are just horrible. So... Here I, here I go to Texas, right? Mm-hmm. First time in a three-gun match. I'm sitting there with Lima Charlie and, you know, just having a good time. I went out and started watching these people. Were you there? I was not, and I'm bummed. That's the Texas match, the rainy yeah. one, the one that yeah. poured. Yeah. 
I'm so, so glad I missed it. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, right. So picture biblical rains, freezing cold. Mm -hmm. You had shooter sponsored from all over the world helping each other, yeah. cheering each other on. It didn't matter if you missed. They were just having fun. Miserable, but they were having fun. <laughs> at the end, at the award ceremony, beautiful day. Everybody's hanging around, hugging, having a good old time. That's that's the kind of shooting family I want. Okay, so the answer is gun. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, at least we got the bow in there for some of it. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> so the other thing that I wanted to ask too, um, again, being an entrepreneur, I remember like that first um, student that I ever had that I didn't know, right? And that's right. very tip, like big tipping point in entrepreneur's life. So when you took over the business, like, do you remember your first holster you sold for, to a stranger? As a matter of fact, I do. And he's still a customer today. Um, there's a guy by the name of Martin Burkhart. And as soon as he hears this thing, he's probably going to comment on it. But <laughs> this was, it, it was a science project. And, and I still have a picture of it on my phone to remind me, I don't ever want to go back to that. It was a come and take holster. The thing looked like I literally pressed it in between two mattresses. I mean, it was, it was, it was ugly, right? So, yeah. But as I graduated through, you know, he still, he'll call me, hey, I need this. All right, sweet. But that's what I wanted. I wanted my first customer to remain my, you know, customer through the rest of the life of the business. Yeah. Did you do the thing where you like frame the dollar bill or whatever on the wall? No, yeah, that's to me, that's bad luck. You know, you see too many pizza joints closed down like that. So yeah. Still, that's really cool. I, yeah. Again, validation. Um, what was that feeling like too, when that came in? It was cool because, you know, my partner at the time, Daniel, he said, he goes, Hey, he says, we got a holster to make. And we were using another printer. Like I said, it was bad, but I said, okay, that's cool. And we made it and I fought it. I mean, I fought it like it was Andre the giant and it was like, <laughs> you know this is done I was proud of it and then I looked back at that I'm like oh my god I sold that and the <laughs> guy it but you know it's a learning experience you know th this is like you know going into you know pottery or something like that you know that that first bowl is gonna look like an elephant so that's the way I look at it yeah it's like when when, kid, when parents tell their kids that was beautiful I'm like don't lie to them oh yeah I know right that's awesome though uh, yeah I mean again but that you have to start somewhere you have to start somewhere you have to have that painful experience um <laughs> and you only get better so if you don't have a first you're never going to to get there exactly so um what's the scary side of entrepreneurship that really people don't understand or know about it's you know obviously you know you always want to know when the next sale is going to come through um but what's nice about this is I've got a full-time job outside of this. So I have that backer. Sarah's got a full-time job out there. So she's got her backer. Um, if I were to get to the point where I'd be doing this, you know, 40 plus hours a week now, like I don't already, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it would, it would be tremendously scary. I lived through having a family business, yeah. you know, luckily ours was very successful back East, but I, I took everything that my father had always taught me and he and I get along like a rattlesnake and a mongoose, but you know, look, he's a smart businessman. He truly is. But, you know, I took all the things that I learned from him and I'm, I'm applying them to, to here. So, yeah. you know, it's. That's awesome. Um, so yeah, you, you learn entrepreneurship at least from seeing your dad do it. Yes, exactly. 
a lot of people aren't lucky in that. Um, my mom's an entrepreneur. Um, my dad had a, a night business. So he had two, I mean, we're real job, of course, then mm-hmm. the night business, he retired after that for like 25 years of doing that. And he's still working a mm-hmm. job, but I feel like so many people don't have the encouragement from parents or see, you know, how to be an entrepreneur or what have you. Um, nowadays, if you could recommend someone who doesn't have that, right. Like you said, YouTube, is that the best place for them to go to learn how to start a business? Maybe. No. And network. You know, I, I take a lot of the things that I do here. You know, I've got a good friend of mine and I know I can actually, I've got a couple of them and both of them are very, very smart businessmen. One is very tactically smart in guns, which also helps, but I call them and they're like brothers to me. And, you know, I model my ethos for this business around something that I've learned from a Navy SEAL and what Rourke has taught me over the years, you know, from college on up, you know, I know I can call him at any time. Hey, you know, what do you think about this? Mm-hmm. You know, and he throws some of the, the, the weirdest axioms at me, but probably they hit home every damn time. I love and it. it. It's one of those things that it's like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. You know, one that he threw at me, he's like, oh, you know, I had this broad idea and I'm not even going to go into it, but he said to me, he said, he goes, okay. He says, um, Custard had a grand, grand idea until he ran up the hill and didn't think about it ahead of time. <laughs> yeah, that was a good idea. Okay. Yep. Enough said. Enough said. But. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and people, we talk about coaches all the time in shooting. Um, I have mentors. I tell people, like when people ask me how I got there, I'm like, I'm a product of mentorship. And if you don't seek it, if you don't ask questions and if you're not open and receptive to it though, you're not going to go very far. Exactly. And actually I, I found it nice because, um, uh, Keith from 5150 Rifles called me the other day. He said, Hey, he says, I've got a guy that works with me. It was, he worked, he also has a real time job, but he's, there's, a, there's a kid that works with me. He's 21. He's full of fire. He wants to get in the firearms industry. You know, do you mind talking to him? Not a problem. You know, I spent an hour on the phone with this cat. And, you know, he's like I was at that age, just full of energy and he's ready to charge up the hill. It's like, Whoa, bro, you got to walk. You know, you're not going to be a millionaire. You know, you're not, you know, the the big wigs of the industry yet you know and i told him i said you want to come to the shop you want to hang out you want to learn the ammo with matt you want to you know learn the holsters with me just to kind of get your feet wet that's what i would suggest doing you know and and that's just you're spot on mentorship is huge absolutely um i don't want to be too negative with this but uh getting into the industry i feel like the deeper i go sometimes i'm more a little bit surprised right with like some of the negative stuff or some of the stuff where i'm like painful about customer service in some places yes you know where could we do better in the industry or you know what are some things that you've seen that people should prepare for if they are going to enter the industry you're always going to have you're always going to have one customer and these these people are either friendly i mean i worked retail when i was a kid so i mean it is what it is. They're either probably Satan spawn or they're going to be like, Oh, okay. You know, not a problem. I get both ends of the spectrum, but I'm a firm believer. I stand behind my product hundred percent. I've remolded holsters because of a cut angle was a little bit off and they didn't quite like it. Mm-hmm. I could have holstered that day. I made it, but because that customer didn't like it, did I ask for the holster in return? No, mm-hmm. but I've kept these customers because they know that if they have a problem, they can call me direct. Everybody has my cell phone. You know, hey, I've got a problem with this. Great. No problem. Yeah. Sorry. It's cool when you can pick up the phone, you have the CEO or the co-owner or whatever on the phone, because a lot of companies don't do that. Again, um, 
you know, yeah, surprising with with the customer service. <laughs> well, you know, even some of the bigger companies, you know, even as an end user, you know, I'm not I'm not saying holster companies, just companies in general. I like the idea that if I call, I get a voice and I'm not sitting there in the deadly loop of press four, you know, to go over here. Next thing you know, Chip is coming on the phone and you know he's not from the US. <laughs> so, you know, it's that's unfortunate, but it happened. <laughs> Oh man. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. You mentioned Sarah earlier, so I want to give yep. you a chance. Yeah. She's the co-owner and, and tell me a little bit about what she does. Okay. Well, let me, <laughs> four years, actually it's been four years and some change. All right. Instagram again, I was bored. I was at work again, EDD, right. I come across this image that was on her page and I didn't even realize who she was. And it was of a skeleton with a blue line going down its spine. And have you ever been caught by an image? And it, it may be not like a train wreck where you got to keep going back and watch, but it's just something that catches your eye and puts something in your heart at that particular moment. I kept going back to it. And about three days later, I got the cojones up to reach out to her. And I said, hey, I said, that image is really cool. I'm a holster maker, da, 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 da. You know, would you mind me using that image on Kydex? I was using Kydex at the time. And I said, you know, what is this all about? Well, Four hours later via text message, she told me her story. And I don't know how familiar you are with her, but she was injured in the line of duty. Uh, she actually broke her neck. Wow. When she filed the, the workman's comp claim or was getting ready to file it, the comp came, they fired her. <gasps> yeah. So bear in mind, this was four years ago. She had a three and a half year old daughter, mm. single. Again, it was one, it, I didn't think i didn't ask i just said i want to help you what can i do mm. and i went to work that night and i said okay i said i'm gonna make holsters and i'm gonna find somebody to make shirts and i am gonna donate every bit of profits to an organization i'm gonna give them to her the money That's amazing i let her know and of course this is via text message at the time and she said oh, i can't because of you know various things she said but i said okay pick a charity and she did. She picked, she didn't even hesitate. Peace officers, angels. Yeah. So at the time we were selling really, really cheap, but it took me forever to find shirts to be made. <laughs> um, no, it did because either everybody wanted a massive amount down to do the shirt. They wanted, you know, an arm and a leg basically. hundred or 500 or yeah. Uh, a little bit more. Put a one on the front of that. Oh, okay. So finally, I found a company that would do them and I tweaked the image a little bit and there again, I never did anything without her permission and we came up with forever unbroken. And basically it, it signifies that, you know, an officer, they may be down for the count, you know, injured, but that blue line's never broken. So we came out with that design. She owns it. Um, you know, we just tweaked it a little bit, but in that initial conversation, you know, once she and I kind of warmed up and, you know, she admits that she stalked my Facebook page and she stalked the Instagram to figure out who I was, but you know, she told me that point. She said, I want to invest in a company, you know, when all the dust settles. And I said, Oh, you know, that's nice. But I, you know, I couldn't do that. You need to take care of, you know, her daughter, Kimber, who's just absolutely adorable. Yeah. You know, take first, you know, blah, 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 blah. So of course life events happen, so on and so forth. And I come down here last October and that was the first time I'd ever met her in person. Yeah. That's cool. Three years, and, three years into it. Yes. Yeah. It, you know, Missouri there, you know, just things happen, but I've never, been that close to a person emotionally and, and spiritually 
never meeting them. Mm-hmm. And then when I did, it was, it was end of story. And it, like I said, a lot of life events were happening at that point. And, you know, she said, you need to get down here. And we hadn't even discussed partnership yet. So <laughs> no, then, no, I'm being serious. That's amazing. Then January, it, actually it was around Christmas time. She said, just text me out of the blue. We need to talk. And I'm thinking, oh, hell. She says, I want to be partners. Mm. And I went, okay, done. Okay. Didn't, no, I'm being serious. This is awesome. I, I've never been so emotionally tied to someone in a completely platonic way. Yeah. Um, she's definitely my ride or die. She's my best friend, you know, and, you know, I wouldn't do anything without her. I love uh, it. But, you know, I came down here, interviewed for a job. They offered it to me that day. You know, it, it, all the signs were pointing. Went there. Yeah. So, so April 15th, I had a Jeep full of five years of holster making and came down here without a shop. And literally I scrambled, you know, lived in a hotel for a few weeks and, you know, finally uh, met at R2 Ammo, which is right here in Liberty Hill, mutual friends and Jeep people. Matter of fact, um, my instructors, and we'll get into that in a bit. Um, they actually teach out of his classroom where I'm sitting right now. Uh, He's also an instructor. He does everything from LTC straight up to level four private security. Um, yeah, he's, he's legit, a, but he makes some of the best ammo that I've ever shot. It's clean. It's consistent as hell. Uh, matter of fact, he sponsored uh, three gun Daniel for a number of years. Oh, cool. uh, so yeah, he, you know, graciously said, Hey, I've got a spot for you out back, you know, and he's become a, like a brother to me. You know, he's a smart aleck brother, but he's, he's a brother to me. You need that. <laughs> yes, I do. I need to keep, Someone needs to keep me in check. Yes. <laughs> um, so that's really hard. Um, when it comes to entrepreneurship, you really don't get the luck of the draw on finding business partners sometimes. Like- no, no. And, and here's the thing. I mean, when I was up in Missouri, I have a good friend of mine who runs Blue Line Tactical Academy uh, out of Jerseyville, Illinois. He's a Jerseyville cop, but he's also an instructor. And one night we were on the phone together. I think I was, I actually, I was working at Olin Brass at the time. And he said that, uh, uh, hey, I want to run something by you. And I said, okay. And the shot show had just gotten canceled. <sighs> and, yeah, right. I remember so, that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was hell. So, but the big thing was, is he says, you know what? He says, there's, there's not enough people in our industry because we're, we're getting literally bombarded at every angle from, from antis. Yeah. He says, there's too many people bashing each other. Why can't we all just kind of get together and, you know, Hey, you know, promote this and, and take care of each other instead of trying to bash each other. Yeah. So, you know, we kind of took it, you know, a little steps here and there, but he ended up host, hosting a couple of events at some ranges out there that got two way companies from around the area just to come to have mini shot shows. Cool. And it was, you know, and that's actually where I made a lot of my contacts, but, yep. um, you know, I kind of took that step a little bit further. Uh, you know, I've been in this industry longer than I care to admit. But those relationships, like I talked about before, are so key. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've got relationships from when I was a rep in 2000 that are still friends of mine. You know, Copper John uh, and Stanislavski, you know, I can call the Springers anytime and anytime I'm in New York and go have beers with them. That's so cool. But what I did, um, and I shouldn't say I, it was, you know, I don't do anything without Sarah's approval, but uh, we created a, a secondary company called Sierra Delta Specialty Products. Um, I don't take a dime from anybody that is in this group. Um, basically, it's companies that have been with me from day one. 
Um, but it's also smaller companies that are having trouble getting off the ground. Right. So, and it's based off of battle buddy principle. You know, if, if your battle buddy's in the ditch and, you know, he's hurt and he can't get, get his feet underneath him, you know what, everybody rallies around him yep. and, you know, you get him up to the point where he can get back into the fight on his own and then you go about your business. And that's what I wanted to instill. I wanted to instill the family. I didn't want, you know, guys like, uh, you know, I'll use hold the line blades as an example. The guy makes absolutely beautiful knives, but he's a small shop. So, you know, let's link him up with like rocker locker and, and uh, you know, these other guys that maybe can help him. you know, they'll promote him on social media and, and do things for him. So. Yeah. And all of us need a little bit of a lift from, from these bigger companies for sure. So, okay. So Sierra Delta specialty products, I know you mentioned that. I don't know enough about it. You're saying like you're selling or getting them all at least visually <laughs> out there for people and you don't take like that affiliate fee or all that stuff. Yeah. Or... We're dying from these companies. Um, what's nice about it. I mean, you know, from being a multi-gun, you know, the sponsorship fees are, are sometimes a little up there. Um, but yeah, but what nice is, is I can go into a match and for prize tables, Hey, I'm going to a match, you know, anybody want to chip in sound off you know and i'll get raw coffee and i'll get uh um you know stuff from nightstick or these various other companies you know there's you know tossing you know the giveaway type stuff mm -hmm. and you know what it, it helps get their name out there but i always tell them if if i go to an event or if i do a, a benefit it's not just me and it's not just sarah it's it's the whole group yeah so uh, they give me, you know, the, the, the typical ambassador codes, you know, you know, Spectre 10 or whatever it is um, that, you know, I use or I, I promote when I'm around posting stuff on social media. Um, the latest and greatest one, um, actually the second latest greatest one is Active Carry uh, Technologies. Bill Active Carry makes by far the med, best med kits in the industry, but he and I, I swear, share the same brain because he's like I am as far as, you know, the, the promoters and the influencers, you know, they've got to become customers and then they become friends and then they can promote. Yeah. Uh, no, it's, that's just the way that should be. Uh, yep. you know, I love yeah, those people that come out of nowhere. Hey, can I just get this and this free thing and this? And I, I'm like, yeah, yeah exactly. <sighs> right. Um, but you know, and then, then Radco lube, you know, everybody knows Brian, you know, he's the face of three gun, yeah. but, now, what's nice about him is not only do they make the best product in the industry, but you know what? He needed someone because he, you know, just wanted to get the name out there. So every holster that goes to every customer I have is going to have their one ounce sample in it. Oh, cool. And, you know, and I swear by that stuff. It saved my butt several times. <laughs> I love it. Uh, yeah, no, it is. It's, it's fantastic product. So, you know, that's what I, I'm all about with Sierra Delta is promoting. The second thing that that's about is our national instructor network. Okay. Uh, and it goes back into the stuff with Rich Portwood from Blue Line is I wanted to create just an avenue that if customers are coming to the Spectre site or they're coming to the, the uh, Sierra Delta site for whatever reason, um, and they went out and bought a gun, they want to buy a holster. Okay, they buy the holster. Well, where the hell am I going to get trained? Yeah. They go on there. They can search by state, find reputable instructors that I personally know. Love it. They can go and get training you know, the right training. Yeah. Um, I, I've got two here in Texas that I, I swear by, um, you know, they're dear friends of mine. Matt's one of them. Uh, but you know, in New York, I've got an avenue for people in New York that, you know, I, I can send, um, you know, latest and greatest is New Hampshire, uh, home front fire training. That guy's awesome. 
but there again, he started out as a customer. Yep. And then I go through and you know what? Every one of them, I said, if you want to come audit my class, go for it. That's awesome. And the other thing too, uh, I don't know if you consider doing is taking or having like a form and having people recommend people. Cause I know a couple, and again, I'm an instructor myself. So, and I have seen instructors, I actually just wrote, <laughs> wrote about instructors just wanting to make a buck. It's like, don't go there. Right. No. And that's what bothers me. You know, I, I took the time, spent the money. I went and got certified as a basic pistol instructor. You know, I sat through um, diversified defense, which is Vic and Julie, they teach out of here as well. Um, I actually sat through their LTC class and I was in awe because in, in a good way, in awe, because they took the curriculum that you and I both learned and they applied it and it, it held everybody's attention, even mine, you know, and I'm, they're going squirrel, squirrel, you know, but it's, uh, you know, they, they do it in such a manner that, you know, a basic shooter will grasp it up to, you know, the tactical guy that, you know, thinks he needs to, you know, have a battle rig to go, you know, take an LTP class. Don't get me wrong. I've seen a lot. <clears throat> but yeah, um, you know, they, they do it right. But then again, I've seen some ones that are, you look online and you see, okay, hundred bucks for an LTC class. No, we don't provide ammo. We don't provide this. We don't provide that, but you're going to get this. Well, okay, dude, you know, where do you get your training? I'd love to see you run a class. I really would. That's the thing that a lot of people don't do. Um, they don't ask questions of their instructors. They don't vet their instructors. They, they, and then these instructors, they water down the prices too. It's not about the money at the end of the day, right? But if you're right. seeing a class for like the concealed carry, right? It's like $15, $20. Like my time, probably gonna be a hundred bucks, but it's because I've got insurance. I've got to range rental. I know a crap ton of a crap ton. I'm going to give you everything I can in, you know, four or five hours that I can. Yeah. But people don't ask enough. And these instructors are like, yeah, I shoot a lot. I'm like, what's a lot? You have to ask them, define a lot, you know, 500 rounds a year. Oh, buddy. Yeah, that's a practice session. <laughs> right. Uh, and that, you know, you're spot on correct because, you know, you get a lot of these instructors that, you know, they think they're going to get rich at this. Mm -hmm. you know, mm -mm. I get into this business to get rich. I didn't want to become an instructor to get rich, you know, and, you know, I was, I learned firearm safety from my uncle years ago, mm -hmm. down at skills of my grandpa's farm. That's how long this was. <laughs> but this guy was a safety Nazi and wasn't until about five years ago, I realized why. And he worked for a certain three letter designation that I will not divulge <laughs> at this moment, but he was that way. And when I went and took my NRA cert and, you know, you, you're going through the demos, you know, going through it, my instructor looked at me, he goes, where the hell did you learn that? And I said, um, that's, what's been ingrained in me since day one. He goes, right. that's way above what we're teaching here. And I said, I will teach that to anybody. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's, it's above their pay grade. I mean, that's the thing with, with some organizations too, they don't have the budget. And then those people whose lives are the lines too, I mean, sucks, but you would think that they would want to get proper training outside of that too, even if it costs. Well, and it's not just the instructors. Some of these RSOs that I've seen at these classes are just scatterbrained. Yes. Hello, you have my safety, your safety, and your instructor's safety in, in check here. Yeah, yeah. I can keep going about that. But at the end of the day, our tip is ask, go to your network, find out, you know, instructors that you recommend maybe have like a form for other people to recommend people or at least, you know, in our community, but vet your instructors, folks. Yes. I mean, we've got, we've got a great group. 
you know, within our little tight little network that we've got now, you know, as far west as Washington, um, far east as New Hampshire. I mean, it's it's growing slowly but surely. But you know, and I've just added uh, Range Seven Hundred Two out in Las Vegas to that network. So yeah, Chris is doing a great job out there. She's got a great great crew. So that's very cool. And uh, yeah, for people listening too, just because it's convenient doesn't mean it's a, it's it's a good one. <laughs> yeah, definitely research, research, research. Yeah. For sure. I did want to ask you too. Um, there's a lot of people out there making holsters, right? And, and people are particular about their holsters. I just want to know what's the biggest challenge about the space. Um, like you said, competition kind of with the little guys, you know, and competition with the big guys, you know, how do you deal with all that? <laughs> the, the little guys I'm not so much worried about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't want to sound egotistical when I say that it's try my product test it against Anything you can put it against, I'm going to warranty it. If you, I don't want, it, see, that's the big thing. And you can probably attest to this, right? You've got a drawer and it's probably right there by your vice. Yeah. That has a bucket full of holsters, everything from EDC straight up through your competition rigs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're not oh in your God. head. Yet. Like I literally, it's in those three drawers. <laughs> yeah. Okay. My big thing is I don't want mine to end up in said drawer. So those are the people that they can borrow stuff. <laughs> All right. Yeah, exactly. Here, you need one for a range. Okay, go for it. Um, I, I, I will tell you this, that probably the most recent compliment that I got as far as this is concerned is I sent a holster to a certain young lady. And I said, because where she lives, it's hotter than hubs of hell. So I said, I said, your shit's going to literally, you know, fold into a, a ball one of these days. I sent it out to her and she was doing literally a test by test next to it. And she's like, I can't believe the difference. That's what I want. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I I put a lot of time, um, you know, not that I, I really mind. I actually love doing it. It's like my woosah time. Oh God. Yeah. Uh, Turn on music and just let it roll. But, um, you know, as far as the little guys, you know, I've got a lot of friends that I guess you could call the quote little guys, not in the big three, if you will. Yeah. There again, our community and it's not everyone but it's a good portion of them all stand together, which is yeah. really, really weird. But I can call up like Fulster. I can call up him. Matter of fact, he made me a, a, a custom wood sign for Sarah's Christmas present. Oh, uh, cool. Long shadow holsters. He's the one that turned me on the bolts around. Oh, uh, okay. You know, you know, these guys are great. Weber tactical was my neighbor in Missouri. Oh, Adam. <laughs> That's cool. yeah. So, I mean, but his niche wasn't mine. Mm-hmm. so it worked out good um you know his customers may not have been mine I was more into the custom stuff yeah. you know and so forth but you know I, I use a holster maker to make my molds in New York yeah so you're supporting yeah more yeah. people too yeah and it's not you know and don't get me wrong we do sometimes have to go to the big two for parts but you know it's it's the nature of the beast yeah but, yeah absolutely huh that's awesome though um typically too, when people get into the industry too, they don't ask them their themselves like, okay, how am I going to deal with competition? How am I going to differentiate myself? How am I also going to be friendly with those other ones? Like, you know, I am Mm -hmm. in even, even like I said, with instructors, um, I have competition around here, but it's like, Hey, you can take me or you can go to him and learn rifle or defensive or whatever. But, and the best test of holsters, by the way, is three gun. (laughs) Thanks. IDPA style. Yeah. Those are fun. Yeah, I break everything. <laughs> well, it, I, I can willing to bet that there's a three-letter 
never mind. I'm not going to go there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, moving on. Yeah. Then, um, okay. So I want to dive into the hunting stuff. So yeah. I haven't had a lot of hunters on. I'm bit the bug. I, I wish I, I will have hunting property one day. I love it. Um, but you, yeah, you grew up hunting. What all have you hunted? What age did you first start? All of that. Uh, uh, I've hunted deer, turkey, bear, um, obviously small game, upland, you know, that type of thing. The only thing I haven't done, and I've got a friend of mine that was an outfitter out in Arizona and New Mexico. He's dying for me to come out there and do mountain lion and, and uh, elk with him. Yes. Uh, that will happen. It's on my bucket list. Yes, the elk um, meat is so good just um caribou is another one i want to do living in texas i will hog hunt this year uh, <laughs> matt actually guides for uh property up north and it's unlimited hogs so i will go do that this winter Heck yes um but bow yeah or I mean, gun bow or gun or both <laughs> well let's see killed the bear with a bow killed numerous deer with a bow never killed turkey with a bow that'd be fun um but yeah, anything with four legs, I probably have shot at with a bow and, and tried it, but that's so cool. Yeah. And I got started in hunting, Josh, it was, I think I was 14. Nice. Yeah. So I've been doing it for a long time. Was that dad or grandpa again, that, that got you out there? Neither. What? Um, yeah, it was, uh, friends, dads, actually, okay. I get into art. It was, it was one of those things that again, undiagnosed ADD at that age. <laughs> But my friend's dad, you know, had bought a bow. Yeah, it was just a little cheap, El Cheapo. Well, his son was getting into it, took us up to the local archery range. And at that time, you know, I was living in central New York. It was nice. So they could drop us off for the day and kids could shoot for free as long as they wanted. So I, there again, learned, became addicted. But, you know, the bug bit me hard. <laughs> so then, but the guys that own that archery range designed the original 090 Eagle really yes in new york yes oneida oneida indians yeah but two guys had designed it this is before claude bought them out the whole nine yards so of course that was actually my first compound bow was an oneida eagle from that shop wow yeah this is like the bougie country club i got dropped off at the tennis courts you got dropped off at an archery range well hello <laughs> what is that <laughs> tennis i had a tennis Terrible, terrible at tennis that's all they did <laughs> thanks mom dad um mm -hmm. <laughs> okay do you remember uh your first kill and um the weight or anything like that or you know what yep. it was? um it was a gun kill i was 16 years old it was a doe freaked the hell out um it was had a tradition and I, i've tried to keep this tradition as long as i can thanksgiving day thanksgiving you know, the, that weekend, because it was always a long weekend from the age of 15 on up, it was deer hunting. That's all. That's all I've done. Mm -hmm. uh, I was out there with my friend Brian and another kid and doing a deer drive like he always did back in the day. And the doe came running by me and hell bent for election. And, you know, had a 20 gauge that funny enough, I won playing golf with my. Uh, yeah, that was a bet he never thought he'd win. And uh, yeah, that was my first kill was a, a doe with a shotgun. Is it buckshot then or are you slug? No, slug. Or slug. Cool. That's badass, actually. <laughs> That's different. Oh, man. We're, and so, like, do you still get, like, giddy, nervous, excited when an animal walks out? Yeah. It's – I've become more of the trophy hunter 
since coming out here. And it, it started like the tail end of my tenure in New York um, and getting into the industry. You know, it, I was awestruck. My first ATA show, I walked in and there's to the, Stan Potts at the High Country booth. And I was just like, oh, you know, it, like, it, him and Mark and Terry Drury and all these guys that I've been watching, Roger Raglan, funniest guy in the world. But I watched them growing up and they're killing these big deer. And that's what drew me to the Midwest. Mm. But yeah, no, if I see legs coming through the woods, doesn't matter if I've got a bow with me or my pistol, you know, it, it, it's getting exciting. Then I'd make the decision if I'm going to take that animal. If I do, then, well, it's, it's on, but um, it usually does not hit me until after the lead's downrange or that arrow's released that it's like, oh shit. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then the work begins. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, what's what's what is? Do you have a story of like having to track an animal or having to schlep through the woods to go find it? Yeah, um, probably. Yeah, I already know this one. It's two, yeah, in in two thousand six or seven, I think it was seven. Um, I shot a buck at like three steps, and then another reason why I'll never shoot mechanical broadheads ever again, but. I watched this thing fall on top of the hill. I'm thinking, booyah, this thing's done. Waited the hour and I got down, walked up the hill, found a ton of blood, nothing, no deer, no nothing. I'm like, how is this thing alive? Wow. So I tracked it down to, to blood drops. And finally I was like, okay, you know, got my grips about me and so on and so forth. And I tracked this thing for two miles and that arrow you know it wasn't like a two mile track it was just up and down these hills and i'm thinking holy crap right. no walking two miles sucks though <laughs> yeah and especially when you walk up on it and it's looking at you going hello <laughs> did My you have a sidearm with you it was bow season oh the truck yeah okay so i had to back out walk across the ridge down to get my bow come back and shoot it again oh. but yeah it only took out one lung one blade open. Yeah, that sucks. That does. But probably the hardest work that I've had to do for an animal. Mm-hmm. Um, probably my oh shit moment was I was up in Canada on a bear hunt. And up there, it, it's almost, you're hunting over bait, which is, which is cool. Because when you look, you know, you pull into camp and the guide says, okay, well, your bait's in that semi right there. what is it and he's expired gummy worms spider gummy worms expired expired like out of date and are you shitting me he says no they're in a barrel just make sure you put a put a head net on their yellow jackets everywhere i'm like oh shit the probably the aha oh shit moment was watching i had a sow and two cubs come in and you know they're sniffing around sniffing around well this cub is the size of a pug and he picks this log up that took me and the other guy I was with to get it over the top of this bait pile. And he just tossed it like it was a bowling pin. You're like, okay, it's not a small animal. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, no, this thing can eat me. So, you know, and then watching, a, you know, a sow and a boar absolutely go toe to toe because of the tub and then shooting the, the boar at three yards with a bow. That was cool. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. But, <laughs> That's so cool. Um, your bow, bow setup. So what bow do you hunt with? What poundage do you have it set up? Like, okay. If someone was new listening to this, I, you know, what is the setup so they can learn? You need to shoot something that you're comfortable with. Mm-hmm. If you can stand flat footed, arm extended out 
and draw the bow smoothly without sticking it up in the air, sticking your foot underneath it and, you know, damn near yank, damp. I'm, I'm being facetious, but yanking your, your rotator cuff out of joint to get the thing, you know, to break over, it's not the bow for you, mm -hmm. but you need to be able to, to draw it smoothly. Now I shoot 75 pounds. Wow. Um, I have been since forever, but the elite that I'm shooting currently, I'm probably going to get something different, but again, it's, it's a, it's a bug. Um, but the bow that I'm shooting now draws like it's 65 pounds. Ah, yeah. Feels good. Right. So, but that bow right there, I've killed numerous deer with it. Um, it, it's done me well for a number of years, but it, it it's time to retire the old relic and, and probably get something new and exciting and lightning fast. Yeah. You know, that little Napoleon complex comes out come archery season. <laughs> it does. I, I did get the, I went with the elite. I went with the best of best. Ryan spent, yeah, yeah, spent money, but man, I, and I was doing the tipping the thing first because someone had taught me that. And then now I, I, I do draw straight back. That's the proper way to do it, but it's getting so light because my arm has worked up to, I do it every day, an hour. Yep. That's good. I need to get yep. up to 60 pounds, 70 pounds, maybe, but I'm at like 50. So I got to go up. <laughs> You know what? You know, you look at Ted Nugent, he's down. Obviously, he's up there in years, but he's still a legend. You know, he's blowing through animals at 50 pounds. Yeah. You know, plenty of ladies that they're shooting 50 pounds and just absolutely killing it. So, yeah, still, it's, it's got, you got to have a badass factor. <laughs> okay. So, during your competition friendly, are you ever going to? archery competitions yeah so i actually reached out to uh, asa tennessee or whatever they've got some stuff getting started i honestly don't i i this is the difference and i will tell you this and now people on the podcast um i commented on like some facebook stuff and asked how to get started nobody responded nobody got back somebody else was like yeah i don't know how either so i don't know how to sign up what division like what to pay do i need a membership but i know there's ibo and a anyways i don't know where to go and i'm, I'm dying to go okay local it Probably the biggest thing is go to a local uh, archery range, outdoor range, preferably. Most of the time, they're going to have local shoots. So that's where I would get started. That's how I started, was just yeah. going to these fun clubs that threw shoots on Saturday and Sunday. Then okay. um, what you'll find is, like, there'll be qualifiers for ASA, you know, the Triple Crown or what have you at various, you know, bigger clubs. Um, that's what I had to do with uh, the IBO is rather than shoot the triple crown because I was working full time is I would shoot the qualifier matches at the, the various archery ranges. Mm -hmm. And that's how I would qualify for the world. Oh, okay. So you didn't have to go. Interesting. I know that we have a local like Orso where I shoot guns has archery range, but they don't have shoots on their calendar, but yeah, I'll look around. But yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to compete. Of course I am. Cause I don't do anything without competition. Well, you know, you've got it in your blood. That's why I was asking. Yeah. I, um, when I volunteered yesterday at the Boy Scout camp, uh, they're like, wow, everything's competition. You I was like, yeah, I have to score. I have to pace. I have to do this. I'm going to do it all. And I'm going to beat you to the target to pace it. It's just because I have to do something. <laughs> yeah. When you sit there and you're actually mapping out the actual range, you're like, what are you doing? Well, I'm just walking the stage. <laughs> it's a good time. Um, okay. Back to the deer and turkeys and all that good stuff yeah. too. Did you ever like gut your first one or learn how to do all of the field dressing, all that stuff? Oh yeah. Early and that's, on? I'm sorry. Oh, is that early on? Like when you were a kid still or teen? Yeah. I, I was driving. So I was 16. So, oh. you know, the guy that I was with, um, oddly enough, he's in the military, but he's also, he was going to school for registered nurse. I'd never got an animal in my life. <laughs> he's just like, here you go. Here's a knife. I'll walk you through it. And, you know, of course 
being medical. He's like, okay, so my, you know, this membrane here, da, da. I'm like, Brian, just cut it out, man. You know, I just tell me how to get through this. So yeah, that was, that was always fun, but yeah. Is it weird that I enjoyed it? Like learning and knowing how to do it? Oh, it is the coolest thing in the world until you hit the punch. And then that's just a whole nother, whole nother ball. But no, it is cool to see, you know, the various organs, you know, we did this in school, you know, blow up the cow lung other stuff but it's like ooh, this is cool squishy this is legit i like the cracking of the legs and the <laughs> it's not okay yeah. i was like these are the ones that we clip our yard with yeah sarah called me a masochist when i sent her a picture of one of my deer yeah it was funny oh yeah somebody thought that i was gonna like throw up and puke because i don't like blood but i was like this is an animal that i'm gonna eat so i do respect it right in that nature yeah. and i do want to learn i don't want somebody else to do it for me if i can do it i want to learn yeah uh so what do you what do most people like not understand about hunting i know we get a stigma sometimes right or like these people that are eating garbage ass meat and chickens that are you know shoved into close quarters just disgusting stuff right when we're doing the the really the humane way to kill an animal we're conservative about like what we kill right anyways going into all of that what do you wish more people understood i wish they would understand that that these farms that are raising stuff for Kroger and, and Walmart and all these other places are pumping their animals full of just nasty, right? It's stuff that I don't want in my body at all. Um, you know, wild game, it's, it's what the lay of the land is. You know, it's corn in the Midwest, it's soybeans. You know, I couldn't believe we actually had corn down here. I was actually impressed with that. Um, you know, but, you know, we planted food plots, so it was turnips and, and radishes and, and kale of all things, right? So, you know, they're, they're getting that high, high protein, high nutrient diet. You know, you, you know, from experience, you know, you skin a deer and unless it's going to be like a blistering cold winter, there's zero fat. Yeah. Yep. So by far the best meat, best red meat for you that you possibly get. Um you know, I know, you know, and in, in kind of trying to get back to the old fighting weight and, and so forth that, you know, I've stopped eating red meat that comes out of a store unless I go more organic or something or like butcher that. Or butcher that has, yeah, something right. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, even turkey, you know, you look at a wild turkey and it's not white meat. I mean, it, it's because they're out running. It's not like they're in a coop, you know, sitting there chilling with their friends. You know, they're out there, you know, trying to stay away from coyotes and everybody else. They're so, so mean. Well, no, I'm serious. No, you I know? know, but they're so mean. I love turkeys watching them. <laughs> oh, I know they're fun, but you know the ugliest bird in the world. But yeah, it, uh, it's just it's that you know you know we're going out. You know, I used to donate a deer a year to the, the hundred feed the hungry awesome. because you know, it might be eighty pounds worth of ground meat, but it's going to keep somebody you know fed. It's going to keep the kids you know from from getting sick and so on and so forth. That's what's important. Yeah. And there was, um, like the, the meat that people didn't pick up at the process or whatever, they donate to people who can't eat the, the different yeah. meat or whatever they, yeah. So that was really cool to see too. Yeah. Um, I, do you know how to call a turkey or a tur- turkey call? Yes, I do. How do you do it? Do you do the mouth thingy? <laughs> I do the mouth thingy. I do the slate thingy and I do the box thingy. <laughs> okay. I don't understand how to mouth call like without choking well you're not supposed to inhale it Kenzie <laughs> but no it, it is it, it's 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 tough I and mean, if you've got a small palate you obviously you need to trim the call and so forth um again blessed because living in New York State you know there was a, a game call company called Blogic Game Calls he's not in business anymore unfortunately um but he was amazing and his calls I still use them today I, I mean it was great 
but you know, it's, uh, you know, he kind of taught me how to do the whole mouth call. Cause it, I sound like a, a starving chicken trying to, you know, you know, get a meal, but, uh, you know, it was just a lot of practice. You know, I had a buddy of mine from, from Syracuse that we turkey on every, every day, uh, mm-hmm. school. So, you know, we kind of, you know, bounced ideas and, and tried different things and surprisingly we killed birds, but you know, <laughs> it was a good time. It's easier with two people, right? Having someone call for you. You know, it, it, it not necessarily. Okay. It, it's tough because then you start confusing the birds. Um, <laughs> no, I'm being serious. No, I just, I got to giggle at this. And then, then it never fails that your buddy's going to shoot the bird over the top of you. And then that's just ends up an argument. True. True. Okay. That's fair. <laughs> so call yourself and the box call though, if you're doing the box call, how can you have your gun up? Like, how does well, that work? That- the box call has such a volume on it. That's more if you see a bird like, you know, 200 yards away, you know, you just want to get his attention and, and get him coming your way. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. I need to learn how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so going back to like the, the hunting guide experience, Yeah. what was that like? It was cool. Um, and again, this all started with networking, right? And back in 2000, when I was a rep, I was at Harrisburg sports show and it was, you know, I'd seen this lodge on, on TV and so on and so forth, booked a hunt with Heartland Lodge in Pike County. And that place is just amazing. <laughs> no, it is. I gained 15 a week, you know, it, it, the food was just unreal, but the hunting was spectacular as well. Wait, so but the back- food, did they actually use like the animals that they hunted? No. Okay. This is gourmet freaking meals. Oh, and you know it's all home style you know you, you it's, it's, it's so good but potatoes, I, yeah <laughs> oh, so you know that experience was fantastic so i'm at harrisburg and a buddy of mine was guiding actually a guy that worked for copper john was guiding for for gary so i'm at the booth i'm just talking i said well why don't you let me come out and guide he says well we got a spot for turkey season you know if you want to come out and guide then i said sure no problem mm-hmm. well, guided fell in love with the place oh. i said okay you know, Gary says, well, what do you think? I said, let's do it. He says, all right, be out here in July. So that next July, I came out and started hanging stands for Harpole's Heart and Lodge up in Pike County. When you say came out, did you move? Did you rent? Like, did you? I from Syracuse, New York to Nebo, Illinois, which is the size of this classroom. What? Yeah. That's it, nuts. It, it was one of those things that I was, I was a sales rep. Yeah. So the rep group I was with, they're like, okay, well, so-and-so's quitting. So, you know, you can take that territory if you want it. So I was like, sweet. But uh, yeah, I got it for Gary for a couple of seasons and, you know, it was, it was really cool. I got to meet a lot of cool people. I bet. I bet. And what's the, you know, what's that experience like when you, you have a kid that comes out, right. Or the family or first time that they've, they've killed a turkey. What's that like? The killing the turkey was killing turkeys you know i got a deer i got it up on i got it everything for them but the turkeys were really cool but guiding a small child or a, the the son of a, you know one of your hunters is in the woods and you tell him okay be really really still and you hear him scratching and doing this and True. you know it's it's just not good but you know we we had a couple first time bow hunters out there that you know they connected and you know the look on their face was just ungodly it was just wonderful so cool that's really neat what's like the best experience the best story for for a guy that you've done uh, yeah. we had a guy from new jersey he was hunting one of my farms and his son was 
adjacent to him. He killed a decent buck. So, you know, shotgun season, we all kind of just throw our farms into, into a pot because in Illinois, it's a draw system for counties and so on and so oh, forth. Okay. So I'm, I'm riding out there and we go walking down and, you know, his son says, yeah, I got one good. He says, but I heard dad shoot. Okay. So we load up his deer in my buddy's truck. We go up to the next hill. We go walking down and there's old Joe up in the top of the deer stand. And I said, Joe, you shoot? He says, yep, he's dead right up there. It's the biggest buck I'd ever seen in my life. Really? I didn't know he was this before trail cameras and all this other nonsense. Wow. And he was a 194-inch whitetail, just an absolute monarch. Wow. And we get back and, you know, taking pictures in the whole nine yards. And Joe looks at me and he goes, you think if I book next year, I can get a bigger one? What? Exactly what I said. I'm like, we'll, we'll work on it. Yeah. And he's the old guy from New Jersey. He didn't know any better. But yeah, that was, that was cool. Um, probably the coolest guiding experience I had was I guided a guy to his Turkey Grand Slam for uh, Aww, North yeah. America. So we got to be on Mossy Oak video. That was pretty cool. So for people listening, um, can you explain what that is? Some people don't, yeah, don't know. Triple the slam. Grand, for any kind of slam is you have to kill X amount of animals that are within that species in North America is basically what it boils down to. Yeah. It's really, really fun. <laughs> um, the other one I wanted to ask is like your favorite hunt or have you already talked about it? Like your favorite hunt experience? My favorite hunt was 2000, it was either 99 or 2000 Thanksgiving morning. Huh. Uh, back East New York, my best friend, longtime friend of mine came up from Virginia. You know, I grew up hunting and fishing with this kid mm -hmm. and went out two foot of snow on the ground, you know, in central New York, of course, he's got, you know, he's insulated, but not so well, you know, and as it always has, you know, the deer's going to come out with either your, you know, nature's calling or you're drinking a cup of coffee. Mine happened to be coffee. And it was my biggest New York buck to date. So I shoot him, you know, I pop one in him. He runs, drops I'm like, all right, cool. Well, he's just sitting there and I'm like, all right, I'm just, I'm cold as hell. I'm just going to admit it. So I pop another round into him. And at that time, he was in little two-way radios. And he's like, what the hell are you shooting at? I'm like, he's big and he's down. Get your ass up here. <laughs> um, <laughs> now, Mike was a very, mm, he was a, he was an oak tree. He was six foot in solid muscle, head to toe, right? Mm -hmm. uh, World-class lacrosse player back east. You know, he just was, he was a, just a massive man. So he gets there and, you know, take the pictures and so on and so forth. Now where we were, we had, again, two foot of snow on the ground, but we had to get him up out of this bottom. I'm struggling. I was in good shape. <laughs> he just hands me his gun. He says, Picks him up. <laughs> he took a strap and just literally hoisted it over his shoulder, walked it like it was a sack of potatoes up this hill. And I'm like, <laughs> what the? F no. <laughs> So yeah, that was probably uh, most memorable, but it, it, it wasn't memorable because of that. It was memorable because I lost him in 2006. Oh, that's yeah. a good story then. That's so funny. I'll pick him up. I got this, bro. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So <laughs> Mike's been with me on every hunt. Um, actually, when he got married in 2005, it was myself. It was uh, actually that Navy SEAL I was talking about. Uh, it was me. It was Rourke. And two of our other guys, he got us all buck hunting knives that had our name etched in them. That that knife right there has got more deer in the last 15 years than anything. That's super cool. That's a good yeah. memory. 
those experiences are stuff that I think generations are going to lose. Um, so two questions for that, you know, what's the biggest barrier people have to go hunting and how can they overcome it and just make it happen? Some of it is the stigma. Um, what I dislike is the way that the media is spinning, not only just firearms, but the hunting industry as a whole. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't see it obviously down here and I didn't see it in Missouri because that's part of the lifestyle, right? Right. Uh, growing up in central New York, it wasn't so much as bad, but you still get that stigma. And a lot of it's in the school systems, you know, in Pennsylvania, I know a lot of schools closed down for deer season. Huh. Uh, it is, it's like a state holiday up awesome. there. It's like Mardi Gras in, in Alabama and Mississippi and Louisiana. Pretty yeah. <laughs> but you know, it's, it's a holiday to them. Mm-hmm. And to me that, that breeds success, right? You know, yeah. you make it positive. Um, but there again, you know, I saw a lot of kids growing up that, you know, I run into friends offspring down here of all places that, you know, they were never into it up there because their parents, yeah, they didn't do it. So they didn't learn it. Yeah. I think that the adrenaline junkies and the, the adrenaline people that once they try it, they're going to, they're going to fall in love with it. It's awesome. Yeah. And, and you you said spot on, it goes back to the entrepreneurship thing too. Sometimes it feels like, like when we're we're raised as kids, like we're going to take our parents' religion or we're going to do what their, our parents did. I mean, we're breaking that now. Right. But it's like, and we're going to have a job if they had a job and we're not going to take risk. And it's the same thing with hunting. Like we won't even think about outside of our, our comfort zone or how we were raised. And so it has to start with someone, you know, yeah. and we have to share this, whether we're family or not. Right. And that's why I'm trying to learn everything I can bring it back to people, do everything I can. I have one life and I am an adrenaline junkie, but that's hard. Yeah, it is. And it's difficult, especially in our industry, because, you know, what I do on a daily, you know, I, I promote firearms, mm-hmm. you know, I promote firearm industry and related people. Mm-hmm. Uh, it might not be for everybody. You know what? But I'm not going to criticize you. Hey, it might not be your stick. Right. But you know what? I'm not going to bash you for, you know, you know, going shopping, you know, 15 days out of the week, you know, that type of thing. And I, I it's like shopping and the worst thing, but it you know, if it's not your thing, that's great, but it is mine. So respect for you. You should have respect for me. I agree. That's, that's well said. Um, so going back to, to getting in hunting, what do you recommend someone do if they want to go have no clue where to start? Kind of like the archery, right? Where do they go? What resources can they look up in their state or online to find a place to go? Well, obviously every, every I'm a big proponent of the safety courses, mm-hmm. uh, you know, obviously, uh, growing up in New York, we had them. Um, they have them down here. Yep. Start talking with the conservation departments, um, especially kids. A lot of the conservation departments will do outdoor days. And junior days. Yeah, that's like, yeah. Um, scouts, obviously, that that's a huge thing. But I know in Missouri, I haven't researched it in Texas, but they would allow adult hunters to take kids out. Um, so you could sign up as being like a, a mentor or a big brother, if you wanted to call it that. Cool. And, you know, get the kids involved, whether it's, you know, shooting sporting clays or, you know, going rabbit and and squirrel hunting or anything else like that. I think that's great. I mean, that's that's the big thing. If you want, there's always going to be somebody that, you know, is willing to to lend a hand. But there there again, it goes back to, okay, is it your drunk uncle that, you know, goes to the family functions every two weeks or is it going to be somebody that, you know, you go to a gun shop, like, you know, where I'm at now, it's, you know, Matt can say, okay, well, I recommend so-and-so to take you out. Yeah. 
that's a little bit different. Yeah. And like for hunters listening, right. We need to make it professional or legit, or at least like a good experience and not some like, let's go get drunk and do this. <laughs> exactly. But no, in reality though, especially with kids, I don't recommend taking them out in the, the dead of winter. Uh, <laughs> they're not going to have fun. Exactly. But take them out when they're not either sweating their ass off or freezing their ass off. And you know what? Make it fun. Yeah. But, but teach them along the way. Yeah. You know, teach them woodsmanship. Don't do it for them, please. It, you know, it, probably the coolest thing that I've seen, and this goes back to uh, deer hunt in Heartland, we had a kid track his dad's deer for him. Really? That was, yeah. And this kid was, he was like a bloodhound. <laughs> but, you know, he was, and he'd never cool. done it. It's spot color very, very well. Yeah. And he knew right away how to do it. That's so cool. But, yeah. When you get them engaged, like, yeah, I'm on it. It's mission. Yep. <laughs> Rather than just nope. watching people do it, you know? And even if they fail, failure is part of it. You know what? Failure is not bad. It just proves that there's a problem. And you've got to fix it. Yep. Yeah. I won't name names, um, but they know who they are. Fishing side of things. I told someone <laughs> I will teach them, right? I taught, helped them out the first time. And I said, you're not allowed to fish with me if you can't bait your own hook and get the fish off. If it's not of good size, you're not going to keep it. And what do they do? They catch fish and they don't know how to take it off. And that's like, that's not okay. You can't let that animal die or suffer or, or whatever, because if you're not prepared to take a life, even a small fish, I mean, seriously, I'm like, yeah. you're done. You're not allowed to fish with, with me. And that's, that's across the board. I don't care if you're squirmish. I don't care if you don't like fish, like you're out. Yeah, exactly. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> well, that reminds me of a funny story because we were up in Canada. Actually, it was my friend, Mike's dad. And the guy I was in the boat with, it was a fly-in trip. So of course you're pretty much stuck with these five guys, but the guy I was in the boat with same thing would not take a fish off the hook. Mm -hmm. And we were in this portage area where we just kind of went in and we we're catching pike. Like it was no tomorrow. He reels a fish right up to the top of the rod and just sticks it in my face. I'm like, bro, what are you doing? Take care so, of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He didn't, he didn't have a clue. I was just like, Oh man. So yeah, I it's get like it. You know, at least if I teach, right, then you can do it. I'm not expecting you to know everything out of the gate, but I'm not doing it for you. Um, right. <laughs> what's your favorite fish to catch, by the way? I love saltwater fishing. <clears throat> um, stripers are probably my big thing, but I like doing it on a fly rod. Um, I haven't done that yet. And you tie like an actual fly and. Mm -hmm. It is my favorite, favorite thing in the world to do is fly fish. Um, fishing wild trout is, is unreal. So cool. If we're ever in the same place, I want to do that. Absolutely. You're in a great spot for it in Tennessee also. I know. I need to go and figure out public land. That's your thing. Look up your public land resources. Yes. <laughs> I'm jumping around a bit, but um, you, you mentioned the good thing that I want to bring up is the conservation aspect, right? How important is it to like, yeah, you kill your first animal. You're kind of like whatever brown down, right? Or maybe the beginning of the season, I don't know. But how important is it to think about sustainability, you know, on land and with animals and letting them grow and, and all of that, you know? I think it's 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 become much more normalized, um, which is a good thing, right? Mm -hmm. You see a lot more people getting into planting the food plots and they're they're you know looking into the minerals and this, that, and the other. Still people put out salt blocks, which drives me batshit crazy. <laughs> but, um you know, or yeah, no, you'll probably edit that out, but I don't care. But it's it's no uh, way that stays. I tell people if you send it, it's it's there. <laughs> I'm in full send mode, but yep. it, uh, it's good because you know now 
they're more interested because you hit the nail on the head lands at a premium, mm-hmm. you know, the least land in the Midwest, you're looking at 3,800 bucks an acre. Oh yeah. So, you know, it's, um, people are real interested in their deer herd, you know, in their, their, their Turkey population, their predator control. And, you know, they're, they're taking an investment in it. You know, you're going to have the weekend warriors that, you know, they might go out and hunt the first weekend of the season. And if they don't kill, they eh, eh, piss on, I'm just going to go home. Right. But guys like me and you will eventually get there where, you know, I hunted almost 400 days or not 400 days. Wow. I hunted right. almost days last year and it was, it was tough. Yeah. Yeah. That in some absolutely hellacious weather, but I was after two different bucks and I didn't end up getting them. Yeah. So. And then, I mean, people that don't watch shows or, or videos and stuff, but like the trail cams, like people actually know their deer that are on their property or that are coming yep. back. Right. And they're like, that's the one I want. And you're waiting for that. They're not just, yeah. When you're at that level, it's really cool when you can pick out your animal and you know what you're looking for. Yeah. And I, the funny thing about that is I had posted a picture of a buck that I was after on, on a Facebook thing. And I, I very seldom go on Facebook, but <clears throat> I posted it on this Missouri thing. And this guy goes, Hey, you want the pictures from them earlier in the year? And I went, where the hell are you hunting? Hunting the adjacent farm. Wow. So, it became, hey, I saw him on this this section here. He's chasing does over on this section. We literally were tag teaming this deer. Neither one of them. <laughs> no, got it. That's so cool. Yeah. And he's still alive. Oh, yeah. How big yeah. is he now? Oh, he's a freaking giant. I'll, I'll message you the picture of him. He's freaking. That's awesome. That's really cool. Oh, I could talk about that all day and all, all night. So anything else you want to talk about in that realm of things? Nope. Lucy? No, no I mean, it's, uh, you know, hunting is obviously a big thing with me. Um, but now my new addiction is multi-gun and, and that type of thing. So, which we're about oh. to get into, but I want to make sure you got any final thoughts there. <laughs> no, it's uh multi-gun is definitely, oof, it's, I've got the addiction. <laughs> I want to ask you the beginning too. Have you shot the tactical games? No, but that is on my bucket list. And the thing there with Brian and he's like, you're awful quiet. And I said, I'm, I'm literally digesting everything. Mm-hmm. And he says, why is it? Cause I'm going to do this next year. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to Sarah, who was one of the coordinators and she's just jacked. And she's it, for the woman that is coordinating tactical games and just throw it out there. Oh yeah. I ran 18 miles before I came here. Are you nuts? <laughs> right. I run when I'm getting chased or chasing someone. I don't. <laughs> and so, even then not so much. <laughs> right. But you know, I, I think I was watching, I was watching guys, you know, that were you know around my age group and they're running their huff i'm like this is this is the stuff that i want to do yeah you do know? you want to start in like the the beginners though at least of, of the tactical games like the sprint or whatever <laughs> no i mean i want to do them all yeah you, i'm the one that is going to go full feet i mean yeah. it's it's going if i'm going i'm going all in i'm not going to you know go around the bush or you know with the whole <laughs> yeah want... all the gun requires sorry i keep interrupting I, go ahead no go ahead I was gonna say, if you looked up all the gun changes too, like it's so different from three gun, you know, you go back from a muzzle break, then you just can have a flash hider and you can't have this type of sights and everything changes. It was funny. Cause I saw some people that I recognized from, you know, the three gun world and I'm looking at their setups. I'm like, yep, you still got the pink AR, but you don't have the muzzle break you had on there before. So yeah. <laughs> and it's, it goes back to like divisions. I think of when you talk about three gun, sure. But like even a USBSA kind of levels the field. Mm. Schmidge. Um, hmm. I'm gonna start in a small like entry because I don't like running. Yeah. 
I don't think I can pull myself up a rope either. Well, yeah, that that's going to take some work. I'll do but, the penalty burpees like. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. But, you know, it, it's the what cracked me up was you get, uh, you know, this this 110 pound girl that is running through the stage and she gets to the sandbag. And now bear in mind, it rained for two days. So that 50 pound sandbag now became a 100 pound sandbag. And you hear her cussing from 100 yards away. It's just funny. Oh, it was. It was great. But they, they again, again, it's multi-gun. Everybody was having a good time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, <laughs> okay. So are you going to shoot, are you shooting tack or are you shooting open for three gun? I'll shoot tack. Yeah. Do you like quad loading? I, you know what? I tried it once, but I'm sitting there. I was, I sponsored Rachel Maggio and I was watching her load at Texas. And I'm like, how the fuck does she do that? And it, her mom and dad are like family. So I'm sitting there, I'm like, Amy, can you, because she's getting in the three gun now. And it's like, can you do that? She goes, no, <laughs> I can't do it. I, I mean, I've tried it and I fumbled, I fall all over the floor. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if I'm going to get into it, I'm, as far as three gun, you know, I might do tax for that simple fact. But, you know, I was watching Addie on one stage and she ran this freaking shotgun. I'm just like, oh, I oh, yeah. need. Yeah. <laughs> So I got my hands on a Vepper mag. So I sent it to my guy in uh, New York to make me a mold. So that's coming very, very soon. Cool. That's exciting. Yes. <laughs> so, um, yeah, what is, what is it? Well, are you going to sign up for a three gun this year or looking at next year? Or what's going to be the first match? I'm going to probably do some local matches the remainder of the summer. I've still got to get a shotgun, um, you know, that's three gun ready. Yeah. Uh, but I've got an AR that's should be legal uh the matches it might be a little short but um i know a guy that has them like right outside that door so yeah it, i don't have a problem getting one um but then again i know keith from 5150 is coming out with a new rifle platform so i am anxiously awaiting that cool uh, yeah waiting to see these these are beautiful that's um, awesome so what's your yeah. favorite gun to shoot then uh not shotgun is what i'm hearing right now <laughs> well no I love shotgun, but I just don't have one that's three gun ready, you know, with the like eight foot two. Yeah. <laughs> uh, probably mechanics. I am definitely a kinematic as Me far too. as um, I cannot wait to shoot the rival. That's why I'm waiting for Shot Show. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've been messaging back and forth with them, and it's just like, come on, just let me have it. You know, I, I literally got everyone in their line. I just need that one to complete it. It's, it's yeah. just not. Yeah. But um, as far as, you know, uh, a striker fire canic is by far the best in the industry. I don't, I don't care what anybody says. I agree. And the price for sure. I mean, I love my 2011, my Alice, my baby. That's my favorite gun. Sorry. Period. Hands down and a story, but I bought two SFXs for the, like a thousand bucks. And I'm like, yeah. okay. <laughs> well, it's funny. Amy Maggio comes up to me at, at um, Texas. She's like, I've got something for you. You're going to be, and I said, what? And she's like, I need a holster. I'm getting the three gun, but I've got something for you. And Dan, her dick just go out to the car and get it. So she goes out to the car and brings it in. It was a Cerakoted that Copper Ridge did for SFX champagne. It was Rose champ. I can't remember the Cerakote name for it, but I had to match a holster for it. And I, I was just in awe because I was just like so proud. I was like, Oh, this is so great. But uh, as far as hammer fire, I've yet to fire an Atlas. I've been talking to him back and forth because I've got an order for an Artemis that I've got to make a holster for. Yeah. And of course, holds um but yeah you need the guns well yeah you know they're 
and one okay. <laughs> but staccato being they are practical games for sure. Is that their market? Well, it, I've I've run them. Oh my god. Yeah, but They're, you haven't you haven't shot an atlas. I know, I know. <laughs> just come talk to me when that day comes. We won't even argue about it till it happens. <laughs> All right. Yeah, we'll just We'll make a date to go shoot some steel next match. I see that. That'll there work. you go. <laughs> I work with um a, a company out in California range out there, and yeah. you can rent the freaking STI like Combat Master and the, the Glock Combat Master. See those those are sweet guns. Are still not up there, but oh my god, I'm like that's not fair. I want one of those. <laughs> right. Well, <laughs> my big thing is they discontinued the DVC, mm-hmm. and I've got two friends of mine. Um, they're here in Texas, but they're part of Lima Charlie. Mm-hmm. and they need holsters and i'm like i need the gun i can't can't get my hands on it and you know i have tempted to email tony and say hey i just need the molds i don't need the guns, just need, need you to make me the molds tony you're my favorite person i love him so much <laughs> i was telling him when i first met him i was like you get paid to bullshit and like lie and like just run your mouth <laughs> yep and he's the best dude ever okay yeah tony's my favorite well any final nuggets advice tips or anything you want to leave people with um just when you're shopping a holster if you if you're whether you shop it for me which obviously would be the preferred method um get what you paid for um there's too many ebay holsters there's too many you know the the 49 specials that you'll pick up at academy that may or may not fit your gun you know when you finally get it home um, do your research, make sure they're using, you know, a much better material than, than the average Joe. Um, the, the actual attachment hardware is also very, very important. Um, on my everyday carry, my inside the waistband, I use exclusively Ulti clip. Um, it goes back to the customer service. It's bar none. They stand behind their product and that's what I do. So, uh, you know, I won't go with anybody else, uh, but also expect longer lead times on, you know, the, the true custom holster, which is one that are made to order. Um, we don't have them in stock, you know, we make one at a time. So, you know, expect to wait, you know, two to three weeks, uh, just as, you know, depending on how busy they are, yep. uh, stay away from the mass produced stuff. It's just, it's not as good as everybody. You know. If a holster fits multiple guns, that is not a holster. <laughs> yeah. That, that is uh, Tupperware. Yeah, that's just everywhere. It's container. Um, and the other thing too, don't be afraid to call up your guy, you know? Yeah. Call no, and you know what? My my phone number, you know, it, it rings to multiple phones. So if I don't answer right away, you know, you leave a message or, you know, reaching out to us on social media. Instagram has been absolutely phenomenal yeah. uh, as far as that's concerned. Uh, people are able to, you know, see my products, you know, see who's wearing it and utilizing it and so forth. Love it. So Steve, how do they, uh, what's your website and how do they find you on social media? Our website is specterholsters.com. You can find us on Instagram. Just looking up Specter Holsters will ping uh, our main page. Uh, Sierra Delta uh, site that has all of our partner uh, photos and stuff on it. That's also on there, which is also linked uh, through our social media. Uh, But yeah, and we also have a Facebook page, which is specterholsters.com. Love it. And I don't know, too, uh, at the end of this, do you want to mention anything about Lima Charlie and uh, Battle Buddy 3-Gun? Yes. Jeff Combs, it, it's kind of funny, uh, ran into him as right after we made Sarah's shirts with another company <clears throat> and <laughs> you know, we were getting, oh no, we, we were. And it was one of those things we were getting ready for a reorder and said other company kind of screwed us. But, uh, 
Jeff was local to the shop. I mean, within like five, 10 miles. And he showed up to bring Daniel some, some samples to hang up in the shop. And he's just a good dude, right? Yeah. You know, heart of gold, so on and so forth. So I was trying to figure out, okay, I need uh, just a token shirt, if you want to call it this. So I came up with the idea of fuck around and find out. <laughs> well, went through it, went through it, went through it. He put them out. It went off very, very well. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and then, you know, he had the uh, keep calm, return fire. And our one of our mottos is uh, keep calm, keep calm, carry undetected. You know, that's like, more the E type thing. Yep. So we made some cops, but, you know, put Team Spectre along the butt. And I, I throw out the disclaimer, the lady that buys that shirt, I'm not responsible for the broken noses of the dudes that were staring at your butt. They're probably reading their shirt. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we came out with those. Um, currently, he's trying to uh, get our new logo set up for uh, the Team Spectre shirts. Cool. Uh, but he's become a brother to me. Uh, when America's Armory shut down, you know, he just opened up his, his shop and said, hey, I've got a corner for you until you're, you're ready to head south. So literally, he's got pictures of me, you know, making holsters in this shop, you know, and coming out of work and going in there until it was, you know, midnight, one o'clock. So much fun. I enjoyed having him on the podcast big time. Um, he's an absolute riot plus we got to gang up on brian so it was like the best time ever oh yeah absolutely (laughs) and i had met jeff so i was like oh we're already fast friends (laughs) oh he's hysterical Uh, and it's three gun matches with them you know bear in mind you know i told you i was literally leaving the match coming here making equipment to bring back to the match for shooters so i didn't get a chance to partake in the typical house of lima charlie uh which is generally a very very good time fun time Uh, yeah (laughs) yeah so, but that whole crew, you know, it's great. You know, you got Mario, you got, um, you well, know, Jack, Frank. I was going to say the grip it and ribbit shirts. Don't forget that. Oh no. He's, he's got, he's got a lot of things coming down the pipe. Oh, I'm I sure. love Jack. Yeah. He, he was on the podcast before his episode will come out before this. So. Yeah. Oh, no, the, the whole Liam and Charlie team is just, they've yeah. embraced their handle on all our fulfillment for our garments now, which is fantastic. And Saves I me. Through on the East coast. Sorry. I just, I love those guys too. And I'm like, dude, you got to come back and shoot. <laughs> yeah. But Battle Buddies, it was, it was funny when he introduced that to us. It was just like, yeah, this is pretty cool. And then I started, you know, of course, like everybody does, you Google it and you start stalking the page. Yep. It's like, damn. So then, you know, I actually went over to his shop and I think we were talking about the T-shirts at that time. I said, well, let me see this chair. So, you know, we're looking at it and so on and so forth. I'm like, damn, this is cool. Mm-hmm. So I watched a couple of matches. And then when he came out and um, he started SeaTac Industries. And, you know, when he came out with his chair, and we're, you know, I said, you know what? I said, I got an idea. So we're working on something for, for wheelchair bound firearm enthusiasts right now that um, I've got a gen one down. He's testing, he's ready for gen two. Cool. So we got something yeah, coming. We got to figure out how to put shotgun caddies and holsters on the actual, yeah, chair already, and all that goodness. <laughs> that's already done. Yeah, that's awesome. I can't wait. So thank you, Steve. Thanks for being on this. I know we went so far down in time and i absolutely love it because this was so much fun thank you thank you for having me i appreciate it absolutely so for those listening uh go check out specter holsters uh and steve obviously we'll talk your ear off so give him a call (laughs) (laughs) all right guys see you next week all right take care thanks for listening to the reticle up podcast be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and on youtube follow along on social media at reticle up or three gun kenzie